Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. You were not expecting me, and I wasn't sure I wanted to get to know you. When I barely knew how to walk, I ran towards your noise, your circuits, without knowing anything about you. We had very good times, some unforgettable, others really bad. We have played together against incredible rivals. You played with me, and I learned how to play with you too. I have seen you changing, sometimes for good, and sometimes, in my opinion, for bad. Every time I close the visor of my helmet, I feel your warm embrace, your energy. There is nothing like it. But today, I have some of the bigger challenges that those you can offer me. And this year, while still driving at my best, is how I want to remember you. I can only be grateful to you and to the people that are part of you for having introduced me so many cultures, traditions, languages, wonderful people, for having been my life. I know you love me and be certain that I love you too. So he's regarded as one of the greatest Formula One drivers in history. 32 wins, 22 pole positions, 97 podiums, two world titles. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Fernando Alonso. Last year, he called it quit from the sport. And uh, yeah, many people were shocked. He's arguably one of the most popular drivers to have ever driven an F1 car. He called it quits from McLaren. But as you heard, he said he had bigger things to conquer. One of them could potentially be the toughest race in the world, the Dakar Rally. He was in South Africa a couple of weeks ago, in fact. And my esteemed colleagues, Valdu van der Waal and Hannes Fisser, were with him. I was gutted not to be present. I was, uh, I'd say, stuck in Stellenbosch. It's uh, there are far worse places to be stuck in. But I'll tell you what. When Fernando Alonso is, town, is in town, you want to be around him. And these two gents were right there. Uh, welcome to the show, Valdo and Hannes, once again. Uh, we're not in South America. We're back in South Africa. But uh, first, Valdo, I'll start with you. What was it like being in the presence of greatness? You know, it's one of those things. You, you, you meet him, and he's a, just a guy, just a normal person. And he's actually very down to earth. You know, he came over, shook everybody's hand, and so on. But the moment you look in his eyes, you see that fighter pilot look about him. You know, he's focused. He knows exactly what's going on around him. And it's clear just even when he's walking around and chatting with people that he's got his life sorted. You know, you know he knows what he wants. He's fully focused. And it was absolutely brilliant to spend time with him. Yeah, and, and Hannes, I mean, he's joined uh, the Toyota Gazoo Racing uh, crew, uh, not from a Formula One sense. Uh, of course, he's retired from that for now. But uh, he's looking to make his mark in other arenas, and namely the, the, the Dakar Rally, or, or rallying, because that's why he found himself here in South Africa. Well, Derek, you'll remember clearly that uh, while we were at Dakar this year, early in January, that there were talks about him wanting to do it and so on. And, you know, as there were rumors at the time, but we all knew that, that uh, it's a funny rumor that could become true. And then um, it was just a matter of time for him and his manager and Toyota South Africa and all speed, whatever, to sort out all the details and... Uh, we were counting down the days and, you know, knowing that he was going to come to South Africa. And then eventually we ended up in Uppington in the middle of nowhere, 100 kilometers north of Uppington at a place called Khurapan. Uh, and, and, and there was Alonso, the man himself, you know, coming to try out a, uh, a Dakar winning car for the first time ever. And um, it was quite something, you know, just one of the first things we said to him was that 
how different is it going to be for you? Because you've only ever driven cars with your ass about five centimeters off the ground, and and here it was about a meter off the ground. And uh, he, you know, he had a he had a slight grin on his face, and he said, "Exactly, you know, it's going to be completely different." Yeah, Valdo. I mean, as Hannes mentioned, we were in South America when we got the news. It was extremely hush hush. We couldn't tell anyone, and it wasn't set in stone. And and the date kept moving about when he would make his presence felt in South Africa. Eventually, he came through towards the end of March. And yeah, yeah. Talk us through the the build up to that, and and how it actually came about. You see, the whole the whole tribe comes from uh, Fernando's. Uh in you know, part of the, the Toyota Kazoo racing outfit globally now because obviously he's raced with a team uh, and winning the bar is not a, a, a minor thing to have on your CD. Um, and and he, he's become part of the Toyota family in that sense. And, um, you know, he, he expressed a wish uh, to to the people that he works with there to try different things that Toyota Kazoo racing are involved with. And one of the things that he really wanted to get into was in the Dakar Bucky. And then, of course, uh, we won the race in, in January and he's much well-known. And that, that sort of set the ball rolling because all of a sudden it wasn't just racing a Dakar car, it was racing or driving the one that actually won the race. And as it happened, he was in the car that actually won the race. Uh, so, so that's how, how he sort of became part of the family. But I think there were lots of wheels turning in the background to make all of this happen between his manager, uh, Luis Garcia, and, um, and some of the other guys um, at, at the Oto Motorsport in Europe. And it's not easy to find a gap in his, his diary um, and then put all the logistics in place. But of course, you know, if you've got two uh, F1 championships behind your name, then uh, people tend to uh, make things happen. So, Valdio and Hannes uh, went down to, to join him over at Kurupan. And, I mean, you had the cameras and microphones in his, in his face uh, throughout the testing when he wasn't driving, of course. And uh, you caught up with him right at the beginning, at very beginning, to, to find out exactly what he had to say about proceedings. Yeah, first time here, South Africa, and uh, yeah, uh, only a few days, but uh, enough to, to discover a couple of uh, places, Johannesburg and now here uh, in the test area, and uh, yeah, quite wild uh, place and uh, fantastic. Well, I came here to South Africa to, to have uh, the opportunity, I had the opportunity thanks to Toyota and, and Gatsu Racing to test the uh, Dakar uh, winning car uh, on the last Dakar. And, uh, yeah, I've been testing different series and different cars uh, in the last couple of years, and it's a great opportunity to try test something very different of what uh, I'm used to to drive. And uh, yeah, I'm curious uh, to jump in the car to see how it goes. And uh, yeah, this uh, the, the next 20 minutes is going to be uh, some tension. Hannes, I love that word that he used, curious. <laughs> he was indeed curious, but. You know, that interview was shot literally as he got out of the car. They drove from Uppington Airport up to the pan, which is about 100 kilometers. He got out of the car, and within minutes, uh, before he even got dressed into his racing overalls, whatever, we stuck the camera and microphone into his face, and, 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 and that was his response. And he was curious, and soon after that, he, um, he donned the helmet and the, and, and, and the racing suit. He got in the car, and um, I, I must tell you, um, he was very, very professional. Well, from the word go, we, we, we could tell that this guy is a real, real pro. You know, he got into the passenger seat next to Janil and you could tell straight away that he was 100% focused um, on what was happening. You know, he listened to every word Janil was saying and immediately tried to figure out, you know, exactly how the car works and, and, and what buttons to press and, and, and what the car does. And that was before they even started the car up, you know. And uh, so, yeah, he was curious and then uh, it got going after that. Yeah, it, the other thing, Derek, just to mention quickly is that uh, he, he does a lot of homework. Before we actually got to the band for the first time, we had requests from him 
extended footage of the terrain. What does it look like from on board? What does it look like with a camera on the car? One looking back, what does he do while he's racing? And so he wanted to get as much information as possible. And when he arrived there, he already knew a lot about the, the vehicle, about the Dakar as a race, what to expect, you know. So, so he, he prepared very well for this. Yeah, speaking of the Dakar, one of the questions you posed to him was, I mean, he landed, you said to him, look, you want to race this event. What do you know about the Dakar in itself? And, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, I did follow the, the Dakar in the last couple of years. And obviously we have uh, Carlos Sainz, which is a, a huge name in, in Spain. And, uh, you know, he did well in, in uh, two years ago, he won. And, uh, and now since I, I joined the Toyota Gatsu racing on, on the WEC uh, calendar, we know that uh, we are very close to our friends in the World Rally Car and also in the Dakar Rally. So, yeah, it's a good opportunity. Well, I think I rate uh, all, all these drivers uh, very high, you know, because I think uh, this discipline in, in motorsport is uh, one of the uh, most complex ones. You know, you, uh, you fight against uh, things that are out of your control. You know, you are not in a, in a close environment like a circuit. You are uh, in an open space, anything can happen. You need to adapt, you need to be focused for very long time because the stages are very long. And, uh, well, Dakar is the, the toughest race in the world, so it's, it's not by, by chance that they call it like that. Hannes, it's an interesting situation to be in from a Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa perspective if you team principal Glenn Hall, because people say, oh, you drive a car, you can drive any car, but that's not necessarily the case. It's almost like saying if I played uh, rugby very well, I can just become a great footballer. Of course, they're worlds apart, and that certainly is the case when it comes to F1 racing and rally driving. Um, but you do have an opportunity to get one of the greatest F1 drivers to have ever lived be part of your team. Of course, you want to test it prior, and you want him to succeed, but uh, it's an expensive sport. You just don't want to hand over the reins to someone who's driving it for the first time? No, absolutely not. But, you know, on the other hand, this guy is a multiple Formula One world champion. He comes with a huge following. He's very, very famous. And uh, you don't become a Formula One world champion if you can't drive a car. So everybody knew that, that he, he can drive a car, but now, the, the you know, the challenge on Glenn Hall's side was to uh, make sure that he could, you know, get accustomed to this car and, 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 and you know, get ready to... Um, to take up this new challenge. And, you know, Alonso is a, is a fierce competitor. He knows exactly what's going on around him, like Volvo said. But he also knew that he had to get used to driving on dirt, which is something he's never done before competitively. I mean, he might have played in a, some dirt go-kart or something before, but he's never been in a proper rally or a cross-country off-road car before. So um, I think, you know, for Glenn also, yet you know, there's a lot of pride at stake here. Um, he's coming over high after winning the Dakar and, and you know, having the form of, Formula One world champion in your cars is quite something special. Well, this uh, was uh, Glenn Hall prior to Alonso's first test uh, in the Hot Toyota Hilux. It's uh, not often you get a two-time world Formula One champion in your car, let alone in such a perfect setting like this. So, uh, yeah, it comes with a little bit of stress, of course, from our side. We want uh, everything to go perfect, but uh, it is really a very special day indeed. Yeah, Valdi has summed it up perfectly with regards to stress, but then there's another man in the mix, in uh, a former Dakar rally winner in Janil de Villiers, who was present to, to, to show the ropes uh, over to, to Fernando. Yeah, well, you can't just hand the car over to someone uh, without giving any introduction to it, and who better to talk him through it and, and take him through you know, the systems and the buttons and, and the basics of the car than someone who's actually won the Dakar rally before and that's, that's raced in the Toyota since it was first built. Uh, so Janil had the, 
the only part of taking a, a former Formula One world champion around Quirrell Fans as a passenger. Uh, it's probably the fastest passenger that he's had in his car to date. And we also asked him a couple of questions uh, you know, uh, during this, uh, this period of the test, you know, what his what impressions are. Yeah, this is a different place. Uh, you know, we're in the Kalahari Desert and um, yeah, it's not normally a place where you would uh, see a Formula One driver. But uh, no, I think it's great that Fernando, you know, came out and uh, came to, to try the Hilux. Um, you know, he's obviously doing uh, a lot of other races with, uh, with Toyota and, um, you know, uh, what better way to come and experience something totally different than to come here to, to Uppington, to the Kalahari Desert. Hannes, I'm trying to picture the scene. So now, Fernando's just landed. You've got Janil around, a, a former Dakar rally winner. You've got Glenn Hall, who recently uh, led the Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa team to victory at the Dakar Rally 2019. Uh, you've got a bunch of crew that are absolutely starstruck. And you've got a guy who's achieved so, so much in motor racing, but uh, is yet to really set foot inside uh, a rally car. And... I can imagine the nerves must be plentiful. Um, were people kind of walking on edge eggshells uh, at, at that start, or, or was it one big happy family? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it was a happy family, but it wasn't a big happy family. It was it was actually a small affair. I mean, I think Alonso actually wanted it to be quite private and so on. He didn't want it to be big or, you know, um, too blown out or anything. So the media crew literally consisted of... of, of ourselves and, and you know Glenn was there Fernando and his uh, manager was there of course Janil and uh, I'm sure you'll get to Dennis Murphy later the South African champion navigator he was there and then uh, the technicians obviously had to prepare the car and that was it you know so um, I think that's the way Alonso uh, preferred it or wanted it to be fairly private and um, and, and, and that put him at ease and, and everybody was fairly comfortable around the table and, and, and getting ready for it. But just to get back to Janil and, and you spoke about Carlos Sainz earlier, I have to quickly share this little story with you. Uh, in the weeks leading up to this test, when we knew that it was going to happen, uh, Janil had a chat with us saying that Carlos Sainz actually phoned him, you know, because obviously now there's the, the Toyota Gazoo connection with Fernando and, 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 and Toyota yeah. after winning Le Mans in a Gazoo car. Uh, but Carlos Sainz, being the famous Spaniard that he is, that Alonso also talked about, they also big mates, and, and, and they spoke about this, and obviously they discussed the whole test beforehand and so on. And then Carlos Sainz actually gave Janil a call uh, in the week leading up to this, saying, what are you going to do with my friend? You know? <laughs> and Janil, uh, being playful as he is, whatever, said a few things to Carlos. Whatever. So I'm pretty sure that Alonso did his homework. Him and Carlos Sainz had long chats about this. So him, uh, Alonso knew exactly what, his, what he was letting himself into and, and he, he knows who Janil is and so on because Carlos would have also told him. And, and Valdu, of course, you look at baby steps. You can't simply get behind the wheel and just shoot off into the sunset. Um, I, I think first port of call was putting him into the passenger seat and racing with Janil. Um, again, uh, there was obviously method to the madness to get him used to the comfort levels first and foremost uh, before putting him in the hot seat. Uh, so you can't just send the guy off in a, in a black hole winning highlights into the void and, and see what he does. You've got to give him some impression of what the car is capable of. You know, and, and like I said earlier, he's had his bum five centimeters off the ground for his entire racing career and all of a sudden he's now built in a car that, and was driving a car that was built to take on the, the worst that the world can throw at it. So obviously the first thing to do was to put him in the car with, with Janil. And at that point, all of us were standing around under the gazebos waiting for him to come back just to get his, his feedback. And, and we weren't disappointed. I mean, this is, this is what he has to say. 
Yeah, it felt uh, different, definitely different, and uh, yeah, but interesting. Obviously, the car accepts a lot more uh, punishment than uh, what uh, I'm used to to have. But uh, yeah, I, it was it was quite good fun. For me, yes. For them, uh, I think uh, it was a highway for them. But uh, for me, it's uh, yeah, definitely a little bit uh, rough and uh, some jumps here and there. Uh, the small dunes as well. Uh, obviously, some of the dunes are blind when you go up, and, uh, and obviously you need to, to understand the speed you need to to climb the the dune, and uh, yeah, a lot of new things. It was okay. It was not too bad, and uh, yeah, the seat position and everything feels okay. And uh, as long as you are tight enough, I think it's okay. And it's a leather comment regarding the guys who are driving him around, uh, Janil, etc., saying that for them it was like a highway. Do you, do you think that um, Janil, I mean, he would have taken it easy, no doubt. I mean, he wouldn't have been going flat taps, but uh, I'm sure he would have given him a bit of a scare out there. Well, I don't think Janil was holding back, to be honest. I mean, it is a known route. Uh, Kyoto, Gizura, South Africa, you know, the team have, you know, they've used that specific route and left for a number of years now to prepare and develop the car. So they've got good data and, 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 and a, a good feeling for the surroundings and so on. So Daniel knows his way around there, and I don't think he needed to hold back at all. I think he went for it. And, um, you know, that was the mind shift that Fernando had to see, to, to see what the car can do over this rough stuff. It's obviously stuff and bumps and, and, and little dunes and rocks and stuff that he's never seen in his life competitively in a, in a car going at that pace. So, no, Daniel wasn't holding back. He was going. Well, this is what Daniel had to say about his Spanish passenger. Um, we've had a, a lap or two in the car. Uh, you know, just I just showed him the, the ropes. Um, you know, I can't teach him how to drive. He's, uh, he knows very well how to drive himself. Um, it's just a case of he's got to get used to the, to the car. He's got to get used to the terrain here, uh, learn to read the bumps, uh, learn to read the, the way how you go over the dune. So, Voldu, being a passenger is one thing, but it's a whole new ball game when... You go beyond that wheel. Yeah, well, then, you know, what's the next step? You can't, you can't wait forever. At a certain stage, you know, you have to put him behind the wheel and say, off you go. So you know, the obvious thing to do was to make sure that he knows where he's going. So uh, Dennis Murphy, South African champion, uh, navigator went with him. And the guy, he drew the short straw, I think. He <laughs> goes with the Formula One driver across country racing for the first time or driving. And, um, and off, off Alonso went. And I mean, I think all of us were standing there looking at him first backing out of the gazebos and then, then you know, launching. And, and I think Glenn, uh, you know, he sort of struggled to breathe for a few moments and, and Fernando just went smoothly through the gears and, and off he went. And then I think all of us stopped looking because, um, you know, if you watch him the whole time, it's more like jinxing it. But, you know, he came back after after a bit of time out and, and his impressions were really, really positive right off the bat. It felt, uh, it felt okay, actually. I think, um, yeah, we build the speed a little bit, uh, slowly, uh, lap after lap, and, uh, yeah, getting more confident. Obviously, still, uh, uh, especially the bumps, you know, difficult to read how high they are and uh, how much speed you can carry on. But, uh, yeah, the car feels great. Uh, very good grip, good balance, uh, good power, and, and braking as well. So everything feels uh, uh, amazing. So really happy. There's no doubt that all and sundry that were present were extremely interested with how Alonso went, but uh, I can guarantee that the most interested out of the lot was team principal Glenn Hall. Yeah, I mean, Fernando settled in really quickly, and uh, but this is what we expect. And uh, I think that uh, he's taken exactly the right approach, taking it cautiously, building the speed up. We've, uh, we've laid out a track here 
two tracks, one of eight kilometers, another one of 17 kilometers. So uh, Fernando on his own accord on the fifth time went for the 17K one with a route through the dunes at the back and made it first time, which is uh, pretty special actually. But still, there's a long way to go. Um, this is a very difficult discipline and uh, we're just taking it one step at a time. Anis, what was the general consensus after, after his first ride when he came back? I mean, was it all smiles or firstly that he, he survived? Uh, I think that's uh, victory number one. But um, were they happy with the progress so far? Yeah, to be very honest, I think he performed as we expected him to. I mean, he came here with a big name. It is Fernando Alonso after all. Everybody knew it was going to be a completely different game. But somehow in the back of our minds, because I think we all rate him such highly as, as, as one of the best drivers ever, we all thought that, you know what, this guy can do it. And he did. He did exactly what we thought he could do and, and more. You know, just when he pulled off the first time, he, he had better clutch control and, 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 and gear shifting control than 80% of the people that we've seen at that car. That was his first go at the car, you know. So um, you could immediately tell that he can drive a car and he knows how to hold the steering wheel. The only thing he had to get used to was, was the speed of the rough stuff. And, and as uh, Glenn and everybody said, he built it up gradually and after a couple of laps it was very clear that, that this guy can really drive a car and that he and that he learns very quickly. So yeah, we were surprised but on the on the one hand, yeah, we were surprised. On the other hand, I don't think it was that much of a surprise. I was almost expecting it from him. Valdi, you mentioned Dennis Murphy, who was the navigator for Fernando. Now I mean if there's one man that's worn uh, a million caps for Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa. It's Dennis. I mean, he was present at the 2019 Dakar Rally with Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa. But uh, there he was, an engineer, technician, uh, this time around, uh, handling the road book for one of the most famous drivers that's ever lived. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, drawing the short straw, so to speak. But, I mean, he'll he'll take this to his grave. Absolutely. Can you imagine? You, you get home and you tell your kid, he's got a young boy. This is, you know what I did today? What daddy did today? I navigate. For Fernando Alonso, uh, that that's going to be special. But you know, he also had some feedback after spending a bit of time in the car with Alonso. Um, it was really a cool experience. Um, he's a very fast driver. We had a lot of fun, and uh, he can obviously drive a car very well. I think he's going to have a big future ahead of him. We started off slowly in the morning, um, just getting used to the car, and obviously having a look what the track looks like. And he progressed through the day faster, faster, faster. And yeah, now he's he's going really quickly, so he's progressed really well. I love that comment, Hannes. I mean, it's not like we didn't know it, but he said he, he is very, very fast. No, he's very fast. I mean, we could see it from the outside. We were we were filming at various parts of the band, over the rough stuff, over the fast sweeps, around the dunes and everything. And uh, you could see every lap that he came past, he, he was getting faster and faster and faster. So, like I said before, he obviously learned very, very quickly and uh, he adapted very quickly. And um, it, it was great to see it visually. How we got faster with every lap. Valdi, if I'm not mistaken, it was two days of testing. So he arrived, he was uh, a passenger slash navigator for a while, went and did that uh, first ride uh, for, for a couple, almost an hour or two, and uh, then a bit of a rest before the big one to, to wrap everything up. Oh, he actually had a, a very free hand because, you know, Glenn being Glenn, he doesn't miss an opportunity to go testing overall. So while we were there, Neil had to do some damper testing, um, and, and Rocco, the, the, the um, technician who builds um, at the damper for our cars, had to build different sets, and the guys had to fit them. So there was all of that going on, as well as, as Fernando's testing. So 
uh, he had the, the opportunity to sit under the gazebo and watch the guys work. And then when he felt like it, he literally said, you know, can I take the car? And off he went again. And he did this progressively during the day. He'd go out for five, six, sometimes eight, or maybe even seen that, come back, take a break, drink some water, chat with the guys. I mean, fire it up again. So, you know, he, he sort of did everything in his own pace, which was absolutely lovely for him. There were no spectators, no pressure from, from anyone on him. And I think that's why he was able to go so quickly, so quickly. You know, he, he, there was no pressure. He could just take things in his own pace. Um, and then after, after a day and a half of this, you know, he, he sort of came to grips with the car completely. And uh, there, there were no official clocks running or anything. But from the sidelines, we could see that he was, he was right on Daniel's face. I mean, that's, those are big words, considering that he, he, he's never driven on that sort of surface before, never driven on that car before. He spent a day and a half, and he suddenly, admittedly on a closed circuit and, and a lap that he's got to know, suddenly his, his face is right up there. Yeah, well, this is, is what he had to say following the two days of testing, done and dusted, and uh, he emerged from that Toyota because he racing South Africa Hilux with these words. It was great, definitely. I think uh, the two days also were um, necessary. Let's say the, the first day is just uh, acclimatizing to the, to the car and the conditions. The second, you start having a little bit more fun because you are in control a little bit more of the car. So, yeah, today has been um, yeah, very positive again. And uh, we try many different roads, many different terrains. And, uh, yeah, each of them needs a, a specific driving style. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, to learn from Genil and uh, from all the guys here. Hannes, from my perspective, having listened to Fernando, having listened to you guys, the overriding feeling is that he certainly can drive. He does have a lot of work to do, but he is by far and away very capable of doing a good job were he to take this on full time and, and of course, practice and practice and practice, which I think you can apply to, to quite a few people. But that being said, not any everyone can, well, very few people can drive like Fernando Alonso. Oh, no, and he learns very, very quickly. So, I mean, uh, I'm sure we'll get to the big question, will he do Dakar or won't he? Um, once we get to that question, maybe we'll talk about it some more. But I can tell you that he will learn very, very quickly. This guy's a fierce competitor, Derek. You can see it in his eyes, like Baldur said. He reminds me of Etienne Senna in a way. You know, you can see the dedication. This guy's a true, true motorsportsman. He's not there for the show. He's not there for the fame. He's there because he wants to win and he wants to, 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 to write records behind his name. And you can see the dedication in his face and in his eyes. Well, let's get to that million-dollar question. Will Fernando Alonso do the Dakar Rally? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, Obviously, I've, I've been testing different cars. And uh, um, in short term, uh, it's difficult to, to, to make decisions because uh, right now my, my full focus is on the Indy 500 and on Le Mans 24 hour. But um, long term future, uh, you never know. You know, I don't have the, the crystal ball now to, to know exactly what I will do. But um, yeah, it's, it's nice to, to test different disciplines in motorsport and, uh, and learn from, from all of them. I like the adventure, definitely, you know, obviously on, on, on rally cars, um, I think it's extremely difficult for me to, to perform well because uh, I'm, I'm, I didn't grow up on, on that environment. But uh, in, in the rally um, uh, world, Dakar maybe is a little bit uh, different because it's half adventure, uh, half uh, a very tough race and uh, half rally driving style. So, there is a possibility that I could fit on, on that because uh, uh, I, I like the, the tough uh, uh, challenges. 
Started to get a bit windy at Kurupan. Valdu, you've been following Formula One racing for many, many years. Uh, you've seen plenty of talents come and go. And you've been following Dakar for, for many, many years. So if there's one man uh, who can give an honest assessment of whether Fernando Alonso can succeed at Dakar, and if he will actually take part, what do you reckon? It's such a tricky question, and it's a it's a very interesting one. But, you know, you have to look at someone like Sebastian Loeb, who's been racing that cop for the last so many years, considered by many to be probably the best all round driver. Certainly, when it comes to dirt, taking on the toughest race in the world with the biggest team with the biggest budget, and he hasn't won it. So, you know, you've got to define success. Um, will Will Fernando be able to take on the Dakar? Sure. Will he be able to finish it? Absolutely. Will he win it? Oh, I'm not 100% sure yet, based, based on what we've seen from other big names that have taken on the sport. But he certainly has the dedication and he has the will. Um, and, and, you know, given the right equipment in the right environment, I think he'll be highly competitive from the get-go. And, of course, he's a very busy man with uh, other motoring endeavours. You heard him speak about the IndyCar, which is coming up around the corner. And, and that's to complete the famous Triple Crown, which will make him only the second ever driver to achieve the feat. Yeah, that's a that's a, a hell of an achievement to aim for. Um, but you know, we've got Tiger Woods going to play the Masters again tomorrow, trying to get another green jacket. So you know, there's a lot of things to aim for in this world. And um, you know, Fernando's not the kind of guy that'll um, that'll uh, take things easy. You know, if he sets his mind to it and he applies himself, I think he's certainly got the skills to do it. I, I don't know, Hannes, what do you reckon? Well, I you know. Let's be honest. He's not going to win more Formula One championships. He knows it because he's retired from the sport. Um, the only way that he can cement his name in, in, in the history books is by achieving something else that is pretty special. So, as we all know, the Triple Crown is, of course, winning uh, a Formula One championship, or depending how you look at it, the Monaco Grand Prix, and then, of course, Lamar and Indy 500. So, Fernando has won two Formula One championships. He's won uh, Monaco Grand Prix twice. He's now won Lamar his first outing. He didn't win Indy 500 two years ago. He led for 27 laps. He, then the car gave up the ghost. Um, he's going to try again in the next month or so. If he does that, um, I think he might say, okay, let's take on the Dakar and see how far we can get with this. And um, to be honest with you, we all know that Dakar is a very specialist thing to take on. Um, you're not going to win that like Sebastian Loeb has proven. You know, you're not going to win that in the first two or three years. He can certainly be competitive, but I do think that Alonso will be competitive enough to, well, to be competitive. Uh, he, he will learn, he will do whatever it takes to get competitive, and I think he will be a force to reckon with in a couple of years. Well, another man who will feature heavily in that decision is, of course, Glenn Hall. And this is his assessment after the two days of the Spaniards testing over at Kurupan. Well, um, I can agree with you. It's been an incredible adventure. And... Uh, today and uh, it, it's a kind of different Fernando this morning. He's computed everything from yesterday and come out this morning and uh, was out of the blocks flying and uh, we set him a few different challenges today such as going in uh, the reverse direction which is a new road and uh, I mentioned to him that perhaps we should leave some margin for the first and second lap because it'll be new and uh, he really flew through the test no problem at all and I was watching down at the bottom through some of the high-speed turns, which now are completely new, and uh, there was certainly no lacking of commitment. So I think it's really been a great two days. Uh, you know, we've come here with a really open mind, and uh, it's uh, very difficult to uh, evaluate a driver that's never driven on gravel before. But the speed of learning and his... Uh, 
kind of acceptance of everything that we're doing and uh, what have you is really quite impressive and uh, you're certainly not scared that's uh, there's no question of that plenty of bravery and uh, but being relaxed and when you're relaxed you can really take it all in a lot better execute things and uh, already he's saying you know I prefer the car to do a little bit of this and that and of course we know from Janil that that's the way that we need to go so uh, He's got, Fernando's got a very good understanding of the car, there's no question about it already, and the dynamics of the handling. So uh, we'll see if Dakar happens. I think uh, it'll only not only be exciting for us, but for the whole world, which is uh, something really quite special. Yeah, I think that sums it up perfectly, Voldu. It will be exciting for the whole world uh, with Dakar Rally seemingly moving out of South America. Um, may, people may be, be asking, is it losing some of its prestige? That won't be the case at all. But it would be nice to get another high-profile high rider into the mix. We, we, the sport needs them from uh, the point of view that we need people to make it interesting. We've got the the, the uh, six fast guys that you know will perform well. We've got uh, Nasser, obviously, and then uh, Peter Hansel, and you know, Carlos Sainz, and so on. all these guys. We know they will perform, but we need another hook um, to to keep people um, enthralled by the sport. And, and I think that's what someone like Fernando Alonso can basically bring to it. It certainly did when when Sebastian Loeb started racing in the Dakar, and I think it'll be even much bigger when when someone like Fernando Alonso joins the fray. Yeah, well, as Voldu mentioned, and as you heard Glenn Hall mention, uh, he's a very quick learner, so any mistakes or any things that were entirely foreign to him up front, uh, he got to grips with it pretty quickly, including um, the language of Afrikaans. That's what I said in the beginning. Fernando knows how to speak this way. He's now for two years looking how to do it, but now he has to decide what his plan is and if he will next year now Samen met Geniel en die Hilux bakkie, die Dakar gaan ander of nie, maar vir nou weet ons altyd een ding en dit is uh, waar kan 'n Hilux oor ons ry? En Hilux kan uh, enige plek plek ry. Well, there you go. Muchas gracias. <laughs> Thank you. That was uh, Fernando Alonso answering that question in Afrikaans. The man who asked him the question was Hannes Fisser. Hannes, how many takes did that take? Derek, you will not believe it, but that was the first and one and only take. That, that that was it. I mean, uh, we asked him politely if he would mind trying uh, to do this, and he he agreed. Especially after I told him that I got Lewis Hamilton to say something else he can't in 2013. Then, obviously, being the competitor that he is, he said, "Okay, uh, let, let me try." So, teach me the sentence, and I said it about twice or maybe three times. He never repeated it after me. He just listened, and then he asked me to write it down for him. And I wrote it down on on, on my phone in, uh, in 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 notes. And he took a note and he wrote it down phonetically in Spanish. And then he said, okay, I'm ready. And uh, Waldo was behind the camera. Waldo pressed the record button and we did that. And, 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 and Fernando came up with a sentence nearly perfect. I mean, he fluffed on the word uh, black, <laughs> which wasn't that difficult. But he got it right first time, you know, after, after writing it down phonetically. And that just shows the professionalism of the man and how he thinks about things. Let's be honest. His Afrikaans is already better than mine. <laughs> well, you're not, you're not <laughs> That's very true. 
<laughs> oh man, it's a fantastic video. Uh, you, you really have to watch the video to appreciate it. Uh, go over to Facebook. Uh, the Latville team, which of course is made up of Hannes and Voldu, um, have posted it on their Facebook page. So go over to Latville and, and you can check it out. It's already uh, making waves across social media, uh, and rightly so. A really, really great clip. Um, as you see, the Spaniard practicing his Afrikaans with Hannes Fisser. Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. I will be catching up soon in person. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, Voldu, you, you must have thoroughly enjoyed uh, the week you spent in Kurupan with uh, one of the greatest that's ever lived. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have enjoyed the week in Kurupan. <laughs> We've been there plenty, but, but he certainly made it worthwhile. And then next time he comes, I'll be happy to go out again. Hannes? Yeah, I should just say, it was quite a privilege, quite happy to have been a part of it and uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing him again. Uh, let's all times that he goes on and wins the Indy 500. If he does, I am pretty convinced and sure that we will see him in a South African Tears uh, Island. Beautiful. I can't wait. Thanks so much, gents, and thanks to the listeners, as always, uh, for tuning in to Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media, a special one, introducing Fernando Alonso to South Africa and the Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa team. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Inside the Game. Brought to you by Raider Media.